This is the Paul Goff Audio Experience. Whether you call yourself a PT, a physical therapist, or a physiotherapist, and wherever you're listening to this right now, this is for you. It is me revealing everything I can to help make you a more successful business owner. Thanks for listening. It means the absolute world to me. All right, let's go, let's go, let's go. We are um, about to go live all over the world. Steve, if you want to um, share this out, check your... Um, or check my Facebook. There we go. We're live um, all over the world, Steve. <laughs> um, we're all over the world as we um, talk to Scotland's finest entrepreneur. That's the way I'm going to call you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this podcast and there's going to be no holding back um, with the hype and the, um, the, the expletives or the expellatives, whatever we want to call them about Steve and the progress that he's made over the last... Um, the last few years really so um welcome everybody if you're just tuning in to the podcast thank you we absolutely appreciate your uh, listenership wherever you are in the world and um we are counting down the days to ppm live it might be too short notice for you to come in person check out the virtual option that's now available we're just a few days away from what is set to be the biggest event of our uh, calendar certainly and we've got people coming in from all across the world including scotland um, we've got people coming from ireland from the united kingdom australia canada all across the united states as well so ppm live is set to go this week uh, friday the uh, 20th is the big kickoff for ppm live and ahead of it ahead of it um what i wanted to do is start catching up with a few people that are familiar names and faces on the podcast from around the Planet Paul community, if you like. Um, you may remember um, a few months back, around about 12 months ago now, we spoke to Steve, who'd uh, made great progress with his clinic. Um, you should remember him because he was probably the first and only Scottish person that's ever been on the podcast. <laughs> so for, for no other reason, you should remember who Steve is. And um, we like to have a little bit of fun between us uh, English and the Scots, um, there's always a little bit of rivalry there. So we like to have a little bit of fun with Steve. But Steve's done amazing. I wanted to catch up with him today just to get an update on his journey. So if you're listening to this, you head into PPM Live, you're going to see Steve. Um, will, you, will you be in a kilt? I think you should wear a kilt. I, I, I think at this event, this talk about spontaneous. I think you should wear a kilt at this event, Steve, so everybody knows who you are. There you go. No, no pressure. No pressure, but but I think you should play it to the crowd, Steve, this this um, this weekend. Um, people are going to come up and ask you where your kilt is this weekend. So if you're listening to this and you are on a plane... You know they say about a true Scotsman and a kilt. Come on, tell me. No, I, I don't. I'm not Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you to find out. All right. Well, I'll, I'll figure this out. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get you tortured all weekend. So everybody who is heading to PPM Live, um, look out for Steve McLean. And go up to him and ask him either to take his kilt off or put it on, whichever you prefer. If he's got it on and you want it off, tell him to get it off. And if he hasn't got it on, tell him that he should at least wear the kilt at the Friday night party that we're going to have um, at PPM Live this week. So there you go, Steve. I've got you a little bit of um, a little bit of attention for this weekend coming up. If nothing else, so what... no, there'll be aircon. There'll be aircon in the room. It'll be um, it'll be cold enough for you. Maybe it's too cold, Steve, and that's maybe why you don't want to wear it. Well, that's another conversation for another day. Um, so, Steve, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, we are excited to see you this weekend. And um, again, we do genuinely know we like to have fun, but we're uh, grateful of you coming over from Scotland to the event and um, just being part of it, which is really cool. So, give us. 
give us an update. Tell us what's going on. Um, inspire people. Tell us, um, you know, tell us what you've been up to. Obviously, a little bit of a backstory of how you started your business, and then how the last uh, twelve to fifteen months have, have gone for you um, as a physio business owner. Tell us. Yeah, a very um, brief background. Originally, like I, um, I trained in sport and exercise science. I think similar to yourself, and then went into physio. Then uh, my master's course in physio went into working in NHS, which is the traditional route in the UK. Um, did the rounds in the hospitals and the GP practices. Came a senior physio in that setting. Decided it wasn't for me, quite rightly, um, and like partly due to my commitments involving football as well. I left the NHS, set up in private practice, pursued that for a number of years. Thankfully found um, yourself around about 2019 into 2020, just before all the, the craziness arrived. Um, uh, started to really grow and scale my business after we came out of COVID. Um, and it was amazing going to the back for conferences again and, and, and meeting everybody in person again, being really feeling the energy in the room again, connecting, learning, evolving. And I think um, I think that was the theme last year, actually, when we were at, at, P- at PPM and we had like, James Lawrence and Damon John, and it was, it, was, it was brilliant. Like, I really loved it. Um, and I took a lot from that in terms of what we had to do to improve how we handled the first call, the first phone call in the, in the, in the clinic. And we've introduced uh, a lot more of our follow-up systems and being much, much more on the ball with um, how we we take a a client or a prospect, a lead from that first phone call right the way through the process and give them choice, give them opportunity at every point of the, the journey to be able to serve them better ultimately. And... We introduced like a new service. We, we we spoke to the guys at Cura Medics while we were out there as well. We introduced Shockwave to both clinics. And I've got two clinics now, and I've got ten staff, which is so we've been recruiting. We lost two staff as well halfway through the year. That, but one of the one of the best things we 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 or I learned this year was obviously from a strategic point of view was never stop recruiting. We'd been recruiting anyway, and um, just. Because it was a good thing to do in the background, and we, we kind of problem solved around about April. Yeah. The first quarter we were flying, and we're having like our strongest start to the year we'd ever had with a lot of growth. We've moved into our premises, obviously now that we've now been here what just over two years. We own our premises, which is which is a great place to be. And as a consequence to that, we thought like let's do a like a problem solving exercise as to where can this all go wrong? And one of the biggest things we highlighted was maybe not having the right team or somebody unexpectedly putting in a resignation that we didn't expect. And actually we ended up getting two resignations within a week, um, which we really didn't expect. But because we'd kind of already been recruiting, we were able to mitigate that. We were able to recruit really quickly. And we now have a much much stronger team, I'd say. Like we've got an absolutely brilliant team. Um, really enjoy working with my clinicians at the moment. Really enjoy working with our front desk. Everybody's on the same page. Alignment's gone up. We've gone through that transitional growth. Our whole team's probably evolved. We've 
the old football analogy as well, like we've probably gone up to the Premier Division and we've changed our squad a little bit. So what? What? To, to just for context, how many staff now, Steve? How many staff are you looking after? Ten. So we're at ten staff. Incredible. In um, nine. Well, nine. Nine yeah. So we've got ten people on payroll. So we've got a team of ten. Perfect situation. Perfect. Um, number where it starts to get really funky in a business where you've almost got too many people and you have to start thinking about other leaders and um, one or two other people starting to help you. What have you done then? What's made the difference? I mean, I, I love all the phone call stuff and I think all oh, that's, that's wonderful, the, the baseline things. The bit that always gets me and I think what this podcast is about is the leadership component. What have you done? How have you changed? What have you had to do to get that team to, you know, to mold together to be able to get 10 people all pulling in the right direction? What have you done? Um, Possibly I've reduced my clinical hours down to like nine, eight or nine hours. Um, so I just do two mornings a week. And that's really because actually I quite enjoy treating a few clients. There's some clients that are just great to talk to. Actually, I learn a lot from them as much as um, I enjoy like treating them. Like they're, they've got their own businesses and stuff like that as well. So I like to sometimes just pick other people's brain and meet other people and it, it helps. I spend a lot of time now doing the marketing for the, the business as well. So it helps me generate ideas and, and remember what kind of conversations are actually happening and stay in touch. Um, so I've got enough clinical hours to, to be able to keep in touch, but at the same time, it's it's no longer draining my energy. It's no longer taking up all my time. I rescheduled my whole diary for our one-to-ones and made sure I put them at a time in the day where it suited me better. I used to have them first thing in the morning and like people would maybe give us some of the problems. It would take up my energy, it would take up my focus, it would throw things at me that I wasn't expecting and it would distract me. So now I actually realised that I didn't need much energy for that. So I put that at the end of my day and I can deal with that quite easily at the end of the day, like jumping in and solving their problems. I'm much calmer as a leader, much more prepared to not to fail, but I think um, I know that whatever happens, I'll figure it out. Yep. And so I'm much, um, much more relaxed. I'd probably say. So where have you got um, that? From? Where have you got that from? Um, I think COVID. I genuinely think COVID, because well, partly COVID and partly football. I'd yep. probably say football. I've learned a lot of resilience. I've learned a lot about decision making and so for full disclosure just to bring everybody into the conversation steve is um one of if not the top referees in uh, football in scotland so soccer if you're in america football rest of the world um steve is arguably one of the top referees in the uh, game in scotland and is obviously managing high level performers um on a on a weekly basis if you like so i'd love to yeah i'd love to find out a little bit more about that and what you've what you've learned yeah so like you put yourself into a stressful environment every week on a Saturday in front of 50,000, 60,000 people. Then dealing with a problem with a, in a clinic doesn't really equate sometimes. Yeah. Um, but then, like, COVID was probably the hardest time to be in business that you could ever possibly imagine. And then you come out of that and you come into a recession. And then you come out of that and you come into an like an inflation a labor shortage is probably the biggest with, with inflation running at like 10 plus percent in the united kingdom and you think well 
you know what? What can the world really chuck at me now yeah. that I don't have the skills to cope with or I don't have the network to be able to help me cope with? Yeah. So whether I lean on like people that I've managed to become friendly with through this community or out with that, I'm now getting marketing skills, the sales skills, the managerial skills, entrepreneurial skills to be able to go, do you know what? I, I know how to spend my energy better and I know how to protect myself and sort of manage my own energy to then be able to deal with whatever the clinic throws at me. Yeah. I and think, I think that's, ultimately, that's ultimately the challenge is that how do we protect our own energy so that we can give to our team? Because that's think, how you, you lead. Yeah, I think people, um, I can see people coming into the chat. If you're on Facebook, by the way, I can see Rachel, nice to see you, Tenea, Jade, Tommy, uh, Wendy, uh, some very familiar faces and names. That's lovely to see you all again. Type into the Facebook chat. I'm happy to answer any questions or we'll take some questions as well in Facebook. I think people massively, massively, grotesquely are underestimating the biggest challenge, which is the people one in the, for the next decade. That, that um, there is a shortage of people who are willing and able to spend money. That That's kind of, you know, that's never going to go away. You always wish that there was a bigger supply of people that would spend money with you, right? So the marketing challenge. But the new devil since COVID that people I think are still light years from accepting is the labor shortage. It isn't a Scottish thing. It's not an English thing. It's not an American thing. It's, it's, it's a thing, right, that we all have to face up to. So your recruitment has to be better, but your management has to be better and sharper and your decision-making has to be better. Um, more time's dedicated to recruitment to, um, I think even just thinking about yourself as a leader, which I, knowing you, I think that's what you've done. I think as I've watched you develop, you've moved from just thinking of yourself as a, a physio or a referee or whatever, um, you, taking what you're doing now more seriously and the role that you've got much more seriously, which is actually people development. And that's the success. That's the leverage. I think as I watch you grow, you've stepped into a, a role and you've accepted the role. It's not just I've got the badge of manager of a business or CEO of a business. It's I'm actually willing to take the people thing seriously. Particularly, you wouldn't get to 10 and be still happy and, and enjoying your job if you didn't take the people thing seriously. You you might have 10, but hit, you'd want to stab everybody and hit everybody. And, <laughs> like, trust me, that happens when you get to 40, right? When you get to 40 <laughs> staff, it's just like, where's the fucking gun? Who's got the knife? Who's going today? That's like y your tolerance for that shit stops but like, definitely a 40 and i can't wait to get to 50 and 60 uh because it'll be even faster but i think that's what you've done to put a spotlight on on i think your success as i've watched you you've accepted and stepped into the role of my real job is to think of myself as a leader of people and i'm going to develop people i'm going to create roles for people and i'm going to nurture people i'm going to help them be better that's that's what i think from afar um yeah you're probably right um uh, i think i think when you're when you have people on your payroll and you start putting onto payroll, you pr you probably feel a little bit of a responsibility for that. And I think that's something actually I'm quite proud of because now we're supporting like ten households. You're you're making an impact to other people. You've kind of you've grown that from nothing. Like when I used to hire a room like just myself, like two nights a week, you've gone from that to this. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of cool as well. Um, but you, you like you do feel a bit of responsibility for that, but. I think um, you can't treat everybody the same. You've got to recognize different personalities. You've got to be able to read people and, and be able to see what their strengths are, make sure they're in the right seats, make sure they've got the right um, opportunity to learn, make sure you're creating the right environment and the culture, giving them the opportunity, but then it's up to them to go and take it. 
And then if they, if, they, if they don't want to go and take it, then it's up to you to make a decision about, like, okay, what do you want to do about it? And, like, that's, that's, really, that's really all you can do is give people opportunity, give them the right environment, create the right culture, if you like. I don't know if culture's a, it's a bit of a trendy word, but I don't really like it, to be honest. It's just about how you treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, and then if, if it doesn't work out, then... So be it, it's not your fault. I think um, as people listen to this, we it's very easy for somebody to read a book. It's very easy for somebody to listen to a podcast and it's very easy for them to hire a business coach. It's very easy to join a mastermind and the same information will be given to the same people. And it's this is how you have to treat your staff and it's the scorecard and you have to have a vision and you have to give people opportunities and onboard them and all these things. And everybody kind of, yeah, I, I know all of that. But ultimately, I think what you did and what you've done is you've made a commitment to it by um, allocating the ultimate resource, which is time to it. And, and that's why for most people, they get frustrated. They can't make improvements in their team or their culture or their org chart or the development of their business even though they know the answer, right? They'll know that they need to do scorecards. They know that there's people listening to this who will have heard the, me talk about scorecards for five years who candidly in the end stop listening to me because I keep talking about scorecards and they won't do scorecards. And that's what happens, right? They, they, they bounce around. Honestly, they bounce around. I've watched this for t a decade. I've been in masterminds where they do this. They bounce around and they don't like the, the, the solution. So I, 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 this scorecard thing doesn't work for me. Well, no, no, you didn't make the time for this scorecard thing. This marketing plan thing doesn't work for me, so I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do something else. I'll go and find something else. And they, they kind of conceptually accept that a scorecard sounds like a good idea, a cash flow forecast sounds like a good idea, a hiring plan sounds like a good idea. And they listen to a podcast for three hours a day, in the car, on the way home from work, in the gym, on a flight, walking the dog, probably in bed falling asleep so they don't have to talk to their husband or wife. Just saying. Not not, not that everybody's like that, just saying. Um, but they never actually do the thing. And they'll get up tomorrow and they'll go back and they'll treat 40 patients a day or 40 patients a week, whatever, right? Like their, their calendar will be slammed. So in the end, they come up and it gets quite frustrating for people that they have the solution and they have the answer, but they can't seem to make progress in the business. So I'm again shining a spotlight on what you've done you answered it at the start of the call i think today you've gone to eight to nine hours a week which has left you with 35 40 whatever however many hours you do to actually manage 10 people not not processes not tags and infusion soft and not not the emr or whatever to manage people and i think that is the difference in anybody that i've seen get stuck at five or six staff is that they still try to manage staff when still trying to treat 30 hours, 35 hours a week, and they never get past five staff. It's always five down to three, three up to six, back down to four, all relative, of course, but you've been able to bust through, I think, because you've dedicated the time to actually do the skills and, and implement the skills that you've been learning. Well, like, whenever I try and, like, take the next step, if you like, or break through the next barrier or each of those, because I've, I've fluctuated for a, a wee while at, at that, sort of sixth stage, like like you mentioned. I think you've got to then just go, okay, well, what's the worst thing that could happen here? And that's like, like generally what's the worst thing that could happen? Like there's nothing that can happen that you can't then deal with. Like if you cut your hours and it doesn't work out, well, you can increase them again. Yeah. 
really if you actually had to, if you needed to do, I've got a, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. If I needed to put food on the table for them, geez, oh, I would do it. Right? Like, I would even consider going back to the NHS, maybe. <laughs> but like, if I had to do it, then you would. I think I'd go to McDonald's first than the NHS, I must admit. I, I, I think McDonald's would probably be in my like order of preference if I had to go back and actually put food and water on the table for the kids. Even the drive-through in the middle of Falkirk, in the middle of January, is more appealing to me than working in the national health system as a physio <laughs> paid twice as much. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe so. But... Um... But the, the point is, like, you would, like, every, no decision you make is permanent. And I don't think anything is so fixed that it can't then be changed. Yeah. So you learn much faster when you implement stuff and you make mistakes and you do stuff wrong. Like, you start the scorecards and you, you use, like, a generic one that you maybe picked up off somebody else. You might start with that, but then it evolves, it changes. It, like, becomes related to that person's role. You have a conversation with them. You tweak it to, to suit what you need from the business and what you need from that role. Um, and then you, you adapt. You, everything is just an evolution. Tell me on the um, subject of evolution, tell me what you're up to outside of your clinic. So the clinic's gone really well, right? And again, if I'm shining the spotlight on you and what you've achieved and what you've done, it looks to me like you've took your business skills, you've took your ability to market, you've took your ability to hire people, just understand how um, a commercial enterprise works and took those skills to another field that's still obviously within the physio PT profession to make a success of that. Tell me what else you're up to. I'm interested in this um, this EMR thing that you're involved in and just, just what you've learned from it, what your role is in it and you know the skills that you've took as a business owner across into that, um, yeah. into that, that new venture, shall we call it. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And, and I think this is something that all of us probably, um, all of us get, as we develop as, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, like opportunity lands in our, um, opportunity like becomes like attractive to us. Like we see things, we see different ways to develop things. And during lockdown, when we had loads of time, if you like. So prior to the lockdown, I had an employee, um, a girl called Kartiki, who was, who was an excellent uh, member of our team. She was um, over here doing her PhD in physio. And she'd heard me moan and complain about our EMR and our softwares and stuff and how we were introducing Infusionsoft at that time. And we had, she'd seen the evolution of the, the business going to having like six or seven different softwares running. And I'd always said to us, oh, it would be brilliant if we just had something that just connected the dots a little bit and we could improve. And like, I know it's not perfect, but we're using this and then we're using this to find that gap and we're using this for this reason. And, and she then connected me during lockdown to a, a friend of hers who then I became quite friendly with a, a guy called Brej and Riaz um, from India. And they are like tech geniuses who then set up a company called Ola, which is like the equivalent of Uber in India, right? And we, we then started to speak about like, how can we impact healthcare? How can we develop uh, EMR and utilize 
AI, which was just really developing at that stage, yeah. um, and build a, a software effectively to help clinics modernize, become more efficient, like run better systems, grow and scale more efficiently with better profit, and and just make life easier. There's two things I always I remember you saying: it's it's what ha what you do in the dark. Is what like, yeah. like people then see when somebody switches on the light, it. and this yeah. is this is probably getting to that point. This started two years ago when we had loads of time, so the opportunity came with having a year in the house basically and starting to develop these ideas, and in terms of how to really build, like, like I don't think any any of us have a ever had an EMR in our clinics where we were going, we're totally happy with it. And we've been promised loads of things. It's never really delivered or it's quite good at that, but it's not so good over here. And yeah. And it's never we've always just kind of accepted what works and what doesn't work. And then like I've been on like loads of your calls over the years and heard so many of the, um, our colleagues and friends in America complain about how complex the healthcare system is and how it doesn't, like, how complex insurance process is and how much, much more difficult it is than, than it is in the UK. So we started talking to Bridge and we asked about how do we solve this problem? And we basically started to build an AI solution which incorporates like, scheduling. But the billing bit is the bit that's really, really exciting, the insurance verification. And we, what we did was a bit like what, what, what you also spoke about, about time management. Um, probably about, when did you speak about that? Maybe about six months ago, but you've probably done it off and on over, over time is, is that you can only really spend your time. Like, was it four different oh, ways? One it's, is in the, it's in the book. It's in the book as well. There's a full chapter on it in the book. Yeah, and then you there, go. there you go. A shameless plug for you. There you go. Well, if you if you, you own the trains and you can't kind of mention your own trains, then you know there's something really wrong. But I'm actually keeping the book launch a little quiet externally anyway, so we haven't even announced it officially yet. So um, I'll be doing that after PPM. There's only so many things you can sell at once, Steve. There's a, there's a lesson. <laughs> anyway, right, moving on. Yeah. But yeah, four so, things. Like, both like things tasks, that you, you could do. Tasks are one thing that you don't want to be spending your time on. You want to be leveraging your time. And one of the best ways you can leverage your time is with staff, right? So then I started to leverage my time with staff. But then you start to do like almost like an analysis of your, your clinical time and go, okay, where does everybody spend their time and what tasks are they doing? And then how can we actually reduce those tasks? So like for the front desk that are spending loads of time calling insurance companies, or dealing with insurance companies to try and sort out um, verification of like such and such company, how much is a copay, how much is it in network, how much is it in an out network. Now you can just basically scan the card, boom, one second, you've got all their details. The AI then filters out all the irrelevant stuff and just gives the front desk exactly what they need and what they need to see. The system then allows you to do like a complete almost like a live notes audit so you can like one of the biggest problems with billing is that records aren't done accurately yeah or they don't they don't complete the records on time so the, the, the bigger the delay between a record being completed the less more time it is until it gets submitted to the insurance company so the system then can track soap notes do a live dashboard so the owner can very quickly see okay he's not doing his notes she's not doing his notes boom we can close that time gap can improve, 
make sure we then submit it on a daily basis automatically not waiting for um, like two weeks or doing it on a, a monthly cycle again that shortens the time frame improves cash flow and uh, the whole thing is just a little bit of AI magic sort of dripped in at different points in the process but it is the purpose of it is just to make life easier for PTs easier for front desk and most importantly easier for um, owners to be able to run a more efficient clinic without adding to their payroll so effectively it's like having an in-house billing with a bit of AI but without having to add to payroll because no longer do you you need to outsource it to a company that's going to charge you six or seven percent give us give us a name what's the details of it what's the name it's interesting spryptcom how do you spell it spry is s-p-r-y dot com dot com what spryptcom yeah check check that out we'll continue to talk about that what have you um what is steve the entrepreneur the business owner once once the guy that was rubbing legs stretching hamstrings massaging ankles and sore asses and whatever else right so we we've 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 moved and evolved from that guy to the guy that now employs 10 people um owns his own premises so he's in real estate a landlord even if it's uh, himself and is now involved in a global software business and at the heart of that thriving business that's now in companies and um clinics all across the united states and beyond what have you what have you learned like what have you brought to that and what have you what have you got from it tell us a little about the experience that you've learned as a business person now as you've evolved your thinking or your skills um what have you been able to learn about working with such a big business i think one of the most important things is how to think like an investor yeah and think bigger than your wee world because when you start talking to people who are out with your natural circles and who have been exposed to businesses bigger than you, they level you up, they help upskill you, they help upskill on how to think and how to break ceilings and how to approach things from a different angle. And it's basically about how we think. Everything's about how we approach it. And from what angle, uh, how small uh perception do we have like like dan kennedy's um talk in the summer when you go to the ocean do you want to go with a teaspoon or do you want to go with a truck like how do you like that's just thought process that's just mindset and i think when you start to think like an investor or an owner like i know one of the 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 speakers this uh, week's going to be greg crabtree i love his books like brilliant book so i'm really looking forward to listen to him but i'm pretty sure he'll be talking about like how do you look at your business as a sellable asset even though i don't want to sell it yeah like no desire whatsoever to sell my business but start to think okay well if i was to sell it, how do i make it more valuable then like you've got to then think externally yeah and then come back and be less emotionally involved in things well, greg's, yeah so, greg's greg's point as well and greg's been wonderful for me he helps you to see well why why would you want to build a business that's really well run and then never actually sell it 
like that it defeats the point, right? Because what most people do is they have a shitty business and then they try and get rid of it and they've had 15 years of hell. But the point that Greg makes is if we run this thing right and set it up to be sold as though it could be sold at any time, well, then you're going to enjoy running it. And because you enjoy running it and you're making more money from it, you can command more money from it because you're not really bothered if somebody takes it off your hand. And if you think about it, the most business owners at the other end are just sick of it and they want rid of it. So they'll accept anything. It is very rare, very rare that it's an absolute amazingly well-run business because the business owner is just sick of it. It's like, take it off my hands. It's in distress. You can have the cash flow. You can have the whatever, but there's very little profit in it because it hasn't been run. Um, you know, it hasn't been run right. So the thinking is build it as though you're going to sell it. And then you get to the point of being able to sell it and you either command a stupidly high price, in which case nobody would take it off you because it, it wouldn't be worth it to them, but it would be, you know, it would be to you. So it's a, again, it's a, I think a change in the way that you think about business and life in general that makes the difference. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's genuinely about how you think about things and being prepared to being prepared to try things and take a little bit of a risk. Like, you've got to go for things. You've got to attack life, don't you? Like you've got to. Um, are you, there's some things, there's some things, some opportunities you get, and you go, well, why, why would you not? Why would you not try them? Like, why would you not take that leap of faith and then back yourself to to try and learn well, and figure it out? The only reason that people don't, and again, shameless plug for the book, um, people are fearful of how they appear in the eyes of other people as a result of failure. So it's not, so when you really analyze what, what goes on, you're not bothered about the mistake. Like we all fuck up things and we all get things wrong and we all hire somebody that turns out to be bad or we all start something that was rubbish or whatever, right? We're not really that asked about that, right? Hopefully there's no damage. But, but the problem is when you have to explain to somebody that you screwed up or that somebody's had an opinion on it that, that you didn't want them to have an opinion on or you didn't want them to find out, it's how you feel about the prying eyes if you have to go home to your wife and tell your wife that you've messed up, right? Messing up is one thing, then having to tell your wife that you got this thing wrong, right? That's that's the problem. Telling your mom or your dad that you got it wrong is the real problem. So it's not the thing that you do. When you get your head around, it's the set of eyes on you and you, you can kind of eradicate that. Then you can start to, I think, you, you show me a successful entrepreneur that just keeps moving. They don't give a shit what anybody thinks. So it's next, well, next, I next. Think, I think I figured that out on a Saturday afternoon. I managed to piss off half a school every week and not give a... I, 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 yeah, but, but yeah, but again, right, look how you've developed That's it. That's a great analogy because like, the press will criticise the decision. I'll make, I've made plenty of mistakes in my career, Jizo, yeah. and I'll make plenty more going forward. But... The press will criticise you, you'll get criticised internally, you'll get slaughtered by the fans, you'll get booed coming out of the stadium in front of 60,000 people. Yeah. You come home and you're probably not in the best mood, right? But like, you get up and you go again the next day and you want to do it all over again. You've got, but yeah. You build that resilience through going through those sort of harder moments and having those scars or those wounds or whatever from making mistakes just makes you more resilient. Yeah. It makes you stronger. And I, I, I think, really I think what they've got, what they've got, a lot of people, so again, even listening to this, watching this right now, there's people doing okay in their businesses, okay in their lives, very nice, right? Very nice salaries, good take-homes, six figures in the US, 50, 60, 70 grand in the UK, lovely salaries that you can have a wonderful life on, um, but secretly want to do more. And the problem is they've got an identity of who they are, and then they have to risk that. They have to make mistakes. Because at this point in their life, there's a physio listening to this right now. I'll probably get an email. 
who for 20 years has been a master of his or her craft, right? And what that means is they've just nailed it. They've always been successful. They've always had good results for patients. They've always had people say good things about them. But now they're bored shitless. They're 45-year-old now. They're bored shitless. The money's there. The success is there. But they're absolutely bored shitless. And now what they have to do is risk being unsuccessful in marketing. They have to risk being unsuccessful in recruitment. They have to risk being unsuccessful in starting a wellness program. They have to risk being unsuccessful in numerous other areas, right, for progress to happen. I have to be able to risk being unsuccessful, which is really difficult if I've sat in a seat and my identity has been that I'm a successful physio. That's half the problem. In fact, 99% of people listening to this right now, that's what they're going through. They are successful. That's the problem. They have to risk being unsuccessful. And then they have to explain to Sally at home or auntie or whoever that they fucked something up or they didn't get it right or that the cash flow shot this month because they've risked a few things. That's the bit that they can't live with. And then they, they, they can't move on until they um, accept that that somebody like you or I were able to look at something and go, fuck it, if we get this wrong, pick ourselves back up, off we go. And yeah, do we get eight wrong? Probably. But you get the two right, boom, and off off you go. And that's the bit that is the success. And that's the bit that people see. But then they don't, you know, they don't necessarily see that you've had to have the fear and the doubt and the the worry about making a mistake or being judged or um, not having money that month or whatever, you know, whatever. And I think that's why entrepreneurship is such a wonderful game and, and uh, rewards a very much deserved for business owners and entrepreneurs never mind the other way around of we're lucky or we're um greedy or whatever it's it's the fucking complete opposite is true the risks that you have to take and the shit that you have to deal with and the crap that you have to go through um it, it it's everything that you get is is well deserved for that reason that you're taking big risks all the time and that's in the end what makes you different from everybody else all things being equal that's 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 the thing that is probably keeping i think we get 3000 listeners to this on average give or take every episode um 99% of them are, are swearing at me right now kicking the phone slamming it down probably stop the podcast because it's just been identified what their problem is. They're too successful in the thing that they're, they're used to doing, and the risk is over here, and they don't take the risk. It's why I applaud what you're doing. It's fantastic. I think you've got, as you as you grow, like, personally, then you can you can take more risk or not. But also you get more comfortable with risk. I think that I, I'm not sure which one it is, really. Um, but I do think you get much more... Um, comfortable with it but then as long as you're doing it from a place where you're genuinely trying to help people and you're genuinely trying to improve things and and serve people and solve a problem and that's where we come at it like from like vmr basis as well like we want to create like a customized solution for people like and have one that actually fits their business rather than their business trying to fit into a vmr and then customize it. it takes a bit more time it's a slower process and we've got to build it you've got to test it and you've got to try it make sure it works and and make sure you're comfortable with it offline before we make it go online but we've got to go through like a process and we went through that with a a, like four or five like like test clients if you like last year and to be able to get to where we are now with it but we had to go through that process of of developing it and finding it and getting to the stage where we could build it and and now obviously we've got like 20 plus like clinics we've got lots of people in the in uh in the us really utilize utilizing it and 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 experiencing the benefit of better cash flow higher returns and and if you don't 
go and try to solve that problem, then nobody will solve it. Yeah. But somebody's got to go and solve that problem. And that problem is solvable. And and now it's actually it's, it's seen that actually come to fruition is just it's so exciting. Uh, and when you see the, the the technology and the software really working, that comes from being brave enough and bold enough to see the problem, find out what the solution is, and then create 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 the solution. And that's that's what entrepreneurship is. I think is when you can identify a problem, communicate it, and then and then put something in place which is going to solve it, and and then have the courage and your convictions to go and try to do it. Like, why would you not want to do that? I think um, the thing that I wrote down there is, I think in the end, you are, as I listen to you and anybody that is making progress, it's not so much that you get comfortable with risk, it's that you get comfortable with yourself. It's, it's, slight, it's a slight nuance. So risk is external, risk is out there, and I, and I can blame risk, right? But really what happens is when I mature up and I get really confident in myself, and I get secure in myself and I get personal security, not just financial security, I get personal security. I can take more chances and I can take more risks. So I become a more riskier person, right? Because I've become more comfortable with who I am. So risk now is a lot more easy for me. So it's not the relationship with risk that I have to go and figure out. The relationship with risk becomes easier when I've got a better relationship with myself and how I feel about myself, how I feel about business, how I feel about other people having opinions on me, how I feel about losing money, how I feel about losing time, all of these things that people really haven't fixed themselves. Like when all is said and done, that's the that's the thing. And it's like, well, I'm not really, I don't like to take risks. It's like, no, no, what you're saying is like, you're very insecure, right? You're very uncomfortable with yourself. Like you care too much about what people think and all of these other things. Once you fix that and you master that, all of a sudden this risk thing, oh, this is easy. Next, 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 next. And it just begets a, a, a bigger risk that you're happy to take. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably I'd agree with that a lot of that actually because a lot of people. I'm currently sitting in the, the clinic at the moment. It's I don't know what the time is. It's after ten o'clock at night on a on a uh, what day is this Monday? Monday. <laughs> and then um, and then I'm going to Orlando like later this week. A lot of people think that's just a wee bit crazy, or you're working too much, or like we've we've got these perception of what normal is or what you should be doing but actually like i'm very comfortable with myself but i've got an amazing wife i've got two amazing kids i love spending time with them i was at the beach at the weekend with them we were we had just a great day hanging out together we i was at home tonight to read them bedtime stories do all that like that's the, the best thing in the world and there's nothing that I can do that's going to change how I feel about them or how they feel about me. Nothing. So, like, what better example can you give your, your children than to say, look, try your best every day, try to get better every day, have a go at life, have a bit of fun. Go for it. Like, why not? Like, why would you not? I just don't... But it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, and and not every, other people aren't so comfortable with that. But that, again, that probably just comes down to like years of having a mindset of like just do something. Like don't talk about it. Just yeah, do, do it. it. Implement something. There's a phrase I, I learned in Miami. It was um, don't talk about it. Be about it. 
yeah. don't talk don't talk about it be about it and, and and half the time um the best thing to do is not tell anybody anyway like just do the fucking thing like we don't we don't need an announcement i'm not a fan of our, once you've announced it to the world it means it's going to happen and all that shit it's like actually you're more likely to be talked out of, of whatever it is learn to trust your own instinct you don't need your sister's opinion or your mom's opinion or your even your wife or your husband's opinion for crying out loud like you, you're running a business right it's 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 yours. You can kind of do what you want in it, and that's the point of being the business owner. Yeah, I think I was always I was always kind of brought up as well, like where you sort of prove your worth, right? And I think society's changed a little bit now, and like the the I don't know, like the the, the can you say younger people? You still like to say younger people, Steve. <laughs> but, Steve, it's my podcast. You can say what the fuck you want. <laughs> but like, send they, your com- send your letters all, complaint, all, yeah, to somewhere. Yeah. You're all demanding. Like, I get this, and then I'll do X. Like, if you give me Y, I'll do X. Right. Whereas, I was always sort of taught like, if, if you prove your worth, then you can go and ask for. It. Right. Let, Do you know, and like you, you got to show that you're capable of something. So you, you're going to love this. I'm going to give you a sneak peek, right? I've got a survey. I'm actually putting my slides together for PPM Live this week for the session on air players, right? And the high point people did a high point's a massive university over here, and they did a. It's all about life skills and various things, right? Really, really, very good, very, very uh, brilliant business to study from a marketing model, and they're. Um, I'll give you one. I'll give you one little thing from it. Reasons grads get fired in the first 100 days: 38% lack of self-motivation, 29% lack of emotional intelligence, 13% lack of coachability. Only 11% of people get fired because of a lack of technical competency. I think that just sums up what you're trying to say. Yeah, I think you, you just you can't give people that. You, you, you genuinely can't. I think it's it's either in there or it's not. And I, think, I think it's a you used the word earlier. Culture is how um, how we teach others like what's acceptable, and and it, look around the world for crying out loud. Look on social media. Look at the, the standards of people accepting living and debt and just like, coming to work and not actually working. I mean, I've had a, a, a torrid few months. Once you get to forty odd staff, it's it's nuts because you got twenty percent all the time who are who are in the bottom, right? Who need to be moved on. There's been five or six that have needed to be moved on in the last few months and it, it's just like it's it's insane how bad some of the work ethic is these days of the, the actually wanting to come in and do a fucking like do a good job and, and it's night and day you can watch one employee who comes in and it's like they're just the scare the the, the the speed of which they do things the tenacity they give a shit like is and then you've got on one breath someone who's just wins you like fuck all day because they have to actually do something it's um it's it's uh it's happening everywhere and it's it's like i said at the top of the show it's the hardest thing is going to be the people problem for any business trying to scale if you're relying heavily on people and their attitudes it's taking longer to find the type of person that you probably want to hang around with yeah and i think when i first started interviewing and recruiting i had a lot on skill because that's where i was most comfortable and i knew the skills of a of a physical therapist yeah and I knew I could ask them technical questions about how to rehab an tendinopathy or like discuss how to do a subjective history of a sort of complex back or a hip or a whatever. I could go into the nitty gritty of of those situations and really find out what their clinical reasoning and their their ability to 
do differential diagnosis and all that. But one of the most important things assessing is their energy. And that's not the easiest thing to assess in an interview when somebody's sitting there for 45 minutes trying to impress you. Yeah. It's not so easy to, to pull that out, especially when you really want to hire somebody because you've got a, an immediate pressing need or like problem needing solved. Yeah. Right. And I, I never really looked at it from that perspective before. Like when I was, when I was on the opposite side of the table getting interviewed, I was the one that I felt nervous going to whatever, but actually it's the person on the other side of the table has got much more of a need to be there yeah. than yeah. anything else. So like, if you can, if you can identify the people who've got great energy and great personality and like can pass the paint test, the paint test is a good one. Would you? I'm, yeah. a, I'm a prepared to go for a paint with them. Yeah. Like it's, as soon as they get past that stage, you go, okay, you're a decent individual. You've got like decent moral fiber. So, so just, 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 for my, just for my American audience right now are asking, what the fuck's a pint? <laughs> I've had to learn this over the years. Do you want to go for a well, pint? If, if you see a man in a kilt, bring him a pint. pint. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a large beer. That's what, that's what a pint is. So we like to... Uh, educate our audience far and wide. Um, yeah, we're a global audience, so a, a pint is a large beer. But if, I think if you can identify those individuals, they they fit in, they learn, they adapt, and they, they do. Well, they I have a very special beer. session for you this week. I'm not going to reveal, I'm not giving too much away, but I've got literally staring in front of me on a slide that says the four things to look for in air players but that's all i'm giving you away for this weekend that leads nicely into the um survey from high point university so we'll have a good discussion i think it's sunday my session on on building air players so you can look forward to that yeah. right steve um fantastic i love your journey i love your progress i can't wait to see you um where can we find out a bit more about your clinic first and foremost what's your, your social handles i know you're very active on the internet what's um what's the social handles of your clinic uh, Clinic is optimalphysio.co.uk and Instagram at optimalphysio. And Spry. So if you head into PPM Live this weekend, many of you are. We're expecting 250 in the room. Um, come and talk to Steve. Steve will be there, and he's more than happy to continue to talk to you about the um, amazing technology, software, um, uh, automation, billing just generally making your clinic more efficient um, software that he's involved in called Spry. It's spry.com. Uh, Sprypt.com, Spry where you can get all of the details and come and talk to Steve this weekend. If you, um, you know, if you're actually in the room with us, you can come yeah, and talk to yeah, him. Get a demo. And... Can they get a little demo while they're there? Yeah, we can. Yeah. We're, we're, we'll be, we'll get loads of stuff going on. We've got a nice big billing guide to give to you. Which I think um, just again, download. just 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 for my American audience, we mean small. <laughs> the people in New Ze the people in New Zealand right now are thinking a we guide, like a toilet guide. What's what's one of that? I need to. I need to Steve, really this is a global. This is a global community. I, need I to think the, global. a little old 
Paul from Poor Little Hartlepool has had to figure out all of these things that he can't say because everyone's just like, what the fuck does that mean? So I know. We um, need we need a translator for the next one. I'm not really sure how big we've got. This is a marketing lesson for you. It's not a wee guide. It's a fucking amazing guide that will change your life, change your practice, and sort your billing out and help you build a business needing less staff with more money in the bank. That's what that wee guide's going to do for you. Absolutely. Um, we've also, like, one of the most exciting things we've done is, is develop uh, an RTM uh, with using AI as well, which I think is going to be a game changer for clinics in terms of, like, they can use it as a lead magnet, they can use it as improving, like, patient care. Um, it's uh, But the analytics, I think, well, I, I know this is, this is one of my passions, it's the numbers and stuff like that I do. I do quite like it, um, but being able to do the business insights and and have all those tasks where it's actually just hours spent by some of your team, like collating all that information to be able to present to you. Like now, it's just available at a touch of a button, yeah. um, and I, I, it's really exciting. I'd, I'd love to show it to everybody. And um, so, if MD's got five minutes spare and wants to come over and say hello to myself and Drew and me now from the team as well will be there. We're, we're growing. A, I know we spoke a lot about our team in the physio world, but I've, we've, we've grown a big team to support uh, and to be able to deliver what, what we have. Um, and uh, so we'll have Drew and me now as along with myself at the event and look forward to, to sharing with you well, something that can really help you. Yeah, let, let's do this. Look, there'll be there'll be 250 there in the room this weekend. If you are listening to this and you head into PPM, obviously go and say hello to Steve. Ask him about his kilt. And if he hasn't got it on, refuse the demo until he puts it on. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got you, Steve. Now I've got you. So you heard me correctly. Just refuse to do a demo of Spry until Steve puts his kilt on. And secondly... Secondly, if you're not coming to PPM, you're from around the world or America, you can't make it this weekend, reach out to Steve. Uh, best way to reach you is it just to go through sprypt.com? Yeah, yeah. Sprypt and ask for a demo with Steve, the man in the kilt. When the, when the, when they say, um, in, you know, you book your time for your demo, so I want it with the, the Scottish guy with the wee guide who goes for a pint and who wears a kilt for uh, your demo. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and let's take this one step further. I want you to wear the 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 blue stuff on your face, like him off Braveheart. That's what I think you should do. <laughs> and that, if I'm a listener to this, if I'm listening to this, that's what I would demand. Just say, if you want my business, if you want me to spend money with you, I want to see how much you love me. That's what I would say. And if you love me enough to put blue paint thing on, like him off Braveheart, and wear a kilt, and have a pint, and have a wee guide, then I'll have a demo with you, Steve. In fact, I'll have one. Sign me up. I look forward to giving you one. <laughs> You're going to get so many emails from people asking for a demo from a man in a kilt. Which, that, that could be marketing. That should be you. Make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah, the man in the kilt. That's, that should be your new influencer, <laughs> um, handle, the marketing positioning of this this thing that you've Yeah, all in one EMR and a kilt. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by a man in a kilt. That's the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right fantastic thank you steve you're doing amazing um 
and I hope even just sharing a, a little bit of your story has helped inspire a few people. Steve is incredible, doing amazing things and, and has let off there, I think, a few little nuggets and secrets as to why the people thing, the risk thing, the just enjoyment thing. I always sense a, um, an enjoyment for life and for business and just uh, making the most of everything, which I think is, again, is a very uh, special, very rare quality these days. So, Steve, I think you're um, I think you're fantastic. You're doing amazing. Can't wait to see you on um on Thursday at the hotel, we'll have some fun. Uh, I, look, I look forward to catching up with you and, and thanks for all your support as well. And, always. And guidance, always appreciate Always, always. All right, see you soon. Thanks, Steve. See you soon. Okay. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapists. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you could benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.